No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. You're listening to the WordPress Podcast. The WordPress.com. Welcome to another amazing edition of WordPress. I'm Kevin. I am Bob France, and this week we have a very special guest. Kevin, who's our guest? It is the president-elect of comics, Andy Schmidt. What the hell are you talking about, President-elect of comics? That doesn't even make any sense. I mean, Andy said he was running for the job, Bob, and that's why he wanted to be on the podcast, because he has a campaign to run. He has a publishing business to run. He has a comics educational website to run. He has a writing career to do. He's got a lot of things going on. Andy is the publisher and president of CEX Publishing. They just started, I believe it's Comic Experience Publishing. He's going to tell us all about that. He's also going to tell us about ONS Printing, which is a printing company that he started recently. He's also going to tell us about his favorite Coen Brothers movie. That's really weird, but that's what we do here on The Word Bros. So give it a listen. We'll talk to you soon. So yeah, man. So um, yeah, so we're just waiting on Kev. In the meantime, so yeah, dude, uh, I am recording, so we can start talking. Sure, sure. You're real chill about this. I like your your attitude, your approach (laughs) to this whole thing. Yeah, man. Whatever. I'm just I'm just trying to go to bed. What do you want to talk about? I mean, talking about we have all kinds of stuff we could talk about, right? Let's talk about your publishing company. All right, let's do that then. So. So I uh, sort of foolishly started a publishing company in the middle of a pandemic. It was kind of a weird thing. Um, <laughs> you know, have you ever done this before, Andy? You seem extra nervous today for some reason. What's happening? Oh, I don't know. I do feel weird. Uh, I think I'm just exhausted. Um, <laughs> so I'm talking to a reindeer. Yes. So yeah, so um, so because you you started uh, what is it called CEX? CEX, yeah. So it's so uh, yeah, CEX Publishing, uh, which is also the website www.cxpublishing.com, and we started it. Uh, you know, it it's in the same spirit as Comics Experience, the online school, um, which is to say that you know everything that we have built, everything that we do is geared towards helping comics creators, you know, get their vision out there, especially newer creators. Mm -hmm. So with, with the previous publishing uh, that comics experience did just as the school, we always had a partner, IDW or source point press or whomever. And, um, and our partners were great. We're still buddies with all of them, but it was very limited in scope, very much just only new creators um, and creator owned properties. Um, and so, so that was just sort of limiting. So when we decided to create a new company, CEX Publishing, that sort of let the reins out a little bit. So we're committed to always publishing new creators. Like that's never going to stop. That's just part of who we are. It's in our DNA. Um, but we can kind of expand beyond that. Beyond beyond that, we were limited to one book a month, and we were limited 
you know, like I said, so we can go, we can make our own deals um, and, you know, under our own stipulations, under our own terms with the creators. Um, and we can, um, we can go to creators that aren't always new. And so our, our thinking is with a creator owned company that, you know, if we have some, some bigger name talent or some bigger books that that will also help put more of attention on newer creators as well. It makes sense. Um, yeah. So uh, also it's a business, uh, you know, and so we're, we're probably going to need some bigger creators and bigger books if we intend to stay in business. But yes. Right now I'm paying my staff out of pocket. So we'll see how long that lasts. Dang, okay. uh, no, but we're, we're actually committed, you know, um, you know, before you started recording, I think we were talking about that I do the comic school, comics experience, and uh, my wife and I run a, a comics and graphic novel and role-playing game printing business, ONS printing. And we've been steadily putting money away specifically for this um, because we think this is the next step. And we think this is what the industry needs. Um, actually, she doesn't really care about the industry. She doesn't read comics. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> no, she's, just, she's just bankrolling your stupid ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, she's she's the key ingredient, right? She's the one that that um, she's the account. She's the brains. Um, <laughs> she's the brains. She's the one that doesn't let me fall down and hurt myself. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we really do think this is the the right thing for the industry. The industry needs new creators, new content. It needs new kinds of creators, new kinds of you know, you know more diversity genre, like just different kinds of stories about different kinds of characters, kids, adults, old people, young people. We got a lot of middle aged white people stories, but, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean that doesn't mean there can't be more. Um, but we're definitely we're definitely eyeing to be to be different. We want our characters to stand out. We want them to make an impression, and you don't do that by by you know imitating uh, Marvel and DC superheroes all day. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Now, um, how involved are you in the CEX publishing uh, line? Are you the are you the editor in chief? Like, do you green light all the projects? Do you edit the individual books or, is, or do you leave that to the creative team? So what's your role in all this? Well, one of the most, uh, well, I'm the publisher. So okay, obviously, yeah, yeah, I'm the boss man. Uh, so I do get to make decisions, but um, I by no means feel like my opinion is the end all and be all. You know, okay. um, I, I want other people to weigh in. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously, if I just absolutely have no faith in something whatsoever, we pr it probably won't go forward. But if I'm kind of on, on the fence about something a little bit, but there's somebody else in our on our team, whether it's Paul Aller or a managing editor or, you know, whomever uh, that that has faith in it and, and sees sees how it can work, sees why it's worth a book worth doing. Ideally, that there's a marketing hook because we are we are a business. We are trying to sell comics um then then yeah i mean we'll then i'll do it right i mean um it's cex it's a company name right it's not andy's comics right mm -hmm. so um and you know we're not going to get more diverse content if it's one person no matter who that person is right it's just the nature of being one person so i'm trying you know when when things come in we have a submission process it goes out several different people will review the projects and then we'll get together and put our notes together and then we go back to the creators with you know with our with our thoughts um one of the most interesting things about starting up a new company with you know limited staffing and all that is is figuring out where the boundaries are for what we can what we 
can do, what we should do, and what we can do well. And so um, this is getting to your question about, you know, am I editing the books directly? I certainly have a background in editing, but I'm not, you know, we're not at a point, we just don't have the manpower to go in and, you know, edit the books. Plus, you know, these are creator-owned books when, when they're getting, when they're getting sent to us, you know, they're well on their way into production. You know, they've figured out what their book is already. It's in, so we may have some comments like, hey, you might want to steer into this thing to give us a little bit more of a marketing hook or, or hey, make sure you, you know, we're going to have to spell check some of this stuff or <laughs> whatever it might be. But, but yeah, but I, we're not getting in and, and just starting off by going like, this is, you know, tear up track and do all that. You know, or, you know if, 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 if a book is in that kind of shape, then we probably shouldn't be accepting it because we don't have the manpower that makes sense but even the input of hey you might want to lean into this a little bit more for more of a marketing hook is more editorial than you get at some creator-owned publishing houses i've worked at several and it's just been turning the files and we'll put the book out so <laughs> even that is a little bit more than that I've seen on some creator and stuff. So that can be invaluable too, right there. Well, uh, given your background in editing though, Andy, is it hard for you to take that back seat or is it, is it a little bit easier because you trust the creators? Um, you know, it's probably, it's probably a bit of, of, of both, you know, because mm -hmm. I was the edit, the, the type of editor that I really do like get it rolling up my sleeves and get my hands dirty. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I like being hands-on. I mean, that said, that said, you know, I was an assistant editor on Wade and Ringo's FF where, I mean, <laughs> like you just, you read the scripts and you're like, great, give that to Ringo. Then Ringo turns in pencils. You're like, great, give that to Carl. Carl turns to me, you're like, great, give that to Paul. <laughs> turns in the colors and you're like, great, give that to Chris Eliopoulos. And, you know, uh, you know, so that's always fun too. Like you get great stuff. It's great to be like, this is awesome. The last thing you need is, is another cook in the kitchen. Um, but, you know, I also kind of got a reputation for kind of pulling projects together and kind of being, being, you know, almost part of the creative team as an editor. Um, and so, and I enjoy that whole spectrum. Um, but when you're working with newer talent that just has a little less experience that they usually have some lessons to learn. And, you know, fortunately, you know, myself, actually, you know, Paul and our other staff uh, all have experience making our own comics. Um, and so, you know, we're there to, to let you know, like, you definitely don't want to end your panel border there because it's going to look really weird when we print it. You know, like, I mean, everything from like sort of little details like that to, um, yeah, I mean, we we, we want to make sure that, that not just we are putting out a professional product, but any of our creators that are putting out that are putting out books we want you know we want people to look at cex and go this is where the next generation of creators are coming from um as well as current generation of creators you know so we do have some books you know by some by some you know more experienced and more established talent that will be that'll be announced relatively soon um and then i'm hoping it'll just sort of kind of roll from there i mean you know it's one of those things that like in order to get the bigger talent you need to get the bigger talent Right. <laughs> no, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're, you know, we're starting with kind of what a publisher you've never heard of starts with, which is kind of the, the, the folks that we have access to that are really good. They're ready for prime time. And I think the books that have come out, Stud the Blood Blade, How in Snow, Space Core comes out in like a week or two. You know, I think these books all, you know, are just proof of, of what we can do. Charlie Spot, which is coming out the following month, is is amazing you know we're, we're 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 hoping that it'll get nominated for some awards um 
and all of these things, they, they all have heart and craft. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, like that's what you, like I have, I want to have a reason to publish these books other than I got a hole in the schedule. Like if, if I'm oh, at the sense. point where, where I'm uh-huh. publishing stuff because I have a hole in the schedule, I need to rethink what we're doing. Um, and, you know, it was, it was really interesting you know, as we were kind of deciding whether or not we were going to kind of stick with our partnership with SourcePoint Press or not. You know, I just had conversation after conversation with creators, other publisher friends, actually some of the guys at SourcePoint, I was very open with them about kind of what we were thinking about doing. And they've been awesome through this whole thing, um, you know, about, you know, what are the pros and cons and what's the type of company that, that we want to be and, and what we decided is we wanted to be home, you know, a home for creators so that, you know, our goal is that if you come to us, we assume you're coming to a publisher wanting a publisher to help, right? You know, and, and sort of your experience, Bob, that you were kind of talking about of, great, I give you the files, I've done everything, you printed the book, and it was in a catalog, and that's great. You know, what we're trying to do is get creators and say, okay, we're going to do your book. You know, here's this contract, the contract is a, is a really good you know, really good deal. Our contracts are just for publishing rights. We don't take ah. any intellectual property. We don't do entertainment. We don't do any of that stuff. Merchandise, licensing, all that stuff is yours. We have a separate deal for that because I've got all those connections in LA and I go out there a couple times a year. I mean, I did before a pandemic, but now now I just have Zoom meetings um, with folks out there. But um, but it's but your publishing deal isn't contingent on that. You know, we if if we're offering you a publishing deal, it's because we want to publish your book. Right, and I think that's you know we all kind of thought that was really important that there was that there was really no um, we thought it was important that there was you know no misconception that we were an IP farm or, or any trickery or any of that stuff we just we just don't want it right we don't want that kind of drama um, and so you know with us you know our feeling is that the the more the best the better the experiences that creators have with us. The more they're going to tell their creator friends about. Oh, us. that's true. That's one hundred percent true. Yes. Yeah, and same thing. Same thing with money. If we can, if you know, if your book, which may not sell through the roof, you know, may not be the next Walking Dead, but if you walk away with it with a check that you know paid for any money that you spent on the book and put a little extra cash in your pocket, that's a pretty big win in this industry. <laughs> um, so you know, that's our focus. So my thinking going in, our thinking going in was was I would be the lead at this part. So this is what, you know, my days are super fun because I'm dealing with attorneys and business people all day long. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want our contract to be the cleanest, you know, one of the cleanest, simplest, you know, most straightforward and best deals for creators and comics. Um, and then I also want us to be handling the business. So we've been, we've been really aggressive in terms of, uh, you know, uh, our distribution channels, um, there's some announcements that'll be coming, you know, again, in the coming weeks and months that are, that are really going to, you know, show the commerce community that we're serious, that we are expanding way beyond what you would expect a company of our size to be expanding to at this point. Um, and not in a way where we're going to like spend tons of money and sink ourselves. We're, mm-hmm. we're being really strategic about all of this. Um, and, you know, and we, we're getting fairly aggressive with stores. And by aggressive, I just mean we are, we're out there, we're calling them, we're, we're contacting, we're emailing them, we're talking about the books, but we're also doing that with the creators because nobody sells a book better than the creator, him or herself, yes. right, or themselves. So what we do is we'll, we'll have meetings with the creators and say, okay, 
we get information like where do you live, where, you know, what type of book is it, and then what kind of retailers you know specialize in, and you know if it's westerns or whatever or what have you, um, then we'll you know we'll we'll try and call together a list of of stores that you should call, and we'll go over how do you make those calls, how do you cold call a store? Wow. Okay. Wow. I mean, so, this, so, is, this is more involved than most publishers are, are willing to do. Uh, how curated is this line going to be, Andy? I mean, are you going to have, <laughs> well, because I mean, well, because some of these smaller publishers, I mean, it seems like being a creator looking out at some of these other smaller publishers. And I think we know who we're talking about here, though, less than like 0.1% of people, you know, of the marketplace. Sure. It seems like some of these places like making announcements. They don't necessarily like putting out books, if that makes sense. So like- no, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah. how curated is your line gonna be with uh, CEX? Uh, it's fairly curated. So right now, um, but I, I don't wanna confuse curated with, I mean, it's very curated, I would say, but I wouldn't wanna confuse curated with uh, necessarily small or, or slow. So okay. to speak. So, so we're we're consistently putting out a new number one issue each month, um, and that may be a one shot, or it could be the start of a mini series. So, I think the 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 most individual comics that we've published in a single month was three. Okay. Um, because it was like an issue three, an issue two, and an issue one, right? Um, you know, and I think you know for, uh, one of the main things we do, and this is part of what I mean by curated, is is you know, we haven't solicited any collected editions, hardcovers, trade paperbacks. We haven't done any of that yet because we are we are determined. You know, I have a I got a lot of history between Marvel, IDW, partnerships with SourcePoint, some consulting I've done with other various publishers. I've got a lot of history. I have a pretty solid understanding of how the how the industry works, what books are likely to sell, and then what kind of numbers and what the sales drop off is from one to two to three. So we're not going in blind but every company every comic is a little different and how the market reacts or how retailers react is a little bit different so we're taking a very deliberate approach to seeing how orders go how are things being received our first three comics have sold out at the distributor which is great um they weren't huge print runs they were solid print runs but they weren't massive print runs um and that's that's awesome. And we're doing some things like special covers and some sort of you know special edition type things. And those are a lot of that is sort of experimentation as you would see what you know, what really interests you know whether it's collectors or whether it's readers that want different kind of reading experiences. Our first books have been double sized um, for only a dollar more. So, so three ninety nine, they were four ninety nine, and it's twice as much content. Oh, that's so our cool. first. Mm, that's great. Our first, yeah, our first three issue miniseries was four ninety nine each, but each. All three issues were double sized, so six issues worth of content, um, and it's it's doing great. People love it, and you know, uh, we just solicited. Actually, I'm not sure this is technically about, but technically, but enough. No, this is live. Uh, Pass the Last Mountain is a four issue miniseries by Paul Aller and Louis Joyce and Dan Beck. That is amazing. It's one of my favorite things I've ever read. Um, it's four issues. All of those are 48 pages each, and they're perfect mountain. So we're doing the going old school with that prestige format. You know, I remember the first time I saw the Dark Knight Returns number one, which was, mm -hmm. I think, the first like prestige format book and like the, the chills that book gave me, like before I even opened it up, <laughs> um, you know, and it, we just, you know, we're going, we just, we, we're trying new things. We're gathering that data. Like I said, you know, it's all about being, 
smart. If we have a book that sells out, that gives us some confidence to go a little harder on a hardcover, maybe, or you know, or on a on a trade paperback. Maybe we're gonna we're gonna print a little bit more because the audience seems to be there. Um, so right now, yeah. But but that said, you know, the reason the main reason that we did the three issues double size instead of instead of doing uh, the Stud in the Bubble was really originally pitched as five issues with the last issue double sized. Um, uh, but the reason we did three double size issues instead was because of the sales drop off one to two to three we're a small publisher so we kind of hedged our bets like if this thing sells great through the roof then we left money on the table by not having a fourth and a fifth issue if it sells about what we would expect for even a publisher a little bit larger than us more well known than us um, then we probably are actually going to do better by having and not having four and five uh, numbers, Makes four sense. and five that sell mm -hmm. lower and lower, right? Because they they can. It's usually it's usually around issue four or or five where like individual issues are losing money. And I think you know if you get to the point where you're like I'm losing money, like I would still print it, but I would rather not lose money because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to call the creator and be like, yeah, your your fifth issue lost money. That sucks. Um, you know, I'd much rather be calling people and saying, hey, your your third issue still sold great, um, you know, and we're getting we're getting pretty good. Uh, I just closed a deal today, actually, for our first uh, store exclusive. Uh, nice. Up. Yeah, so that so that's really exciting to have one store that that looks at what we're putting out and says we want to we want to support this. We want to have our own cover, and we'll order you know X copies you know of this thing to have their own exclusive version of it. I mean, that's super cool. Um, we had a store for Space Corps um, in the in the Baltimore area that that you know bought a ton of that because they'll sell it to Marines all day long. Um, so you know we're always looking to make those connections and see what really makes sense. I mean it's it's the order of the day is we're already working harder, so we need to make sure we're also working smarter. No, that makes a lot of sense. That, that was going to be my question. I mean, how many hats do you wear, Andy Schmidt? There's a lot of hats you do. There, I, for a guy with no hats behind him, from a guy who wears a lot of hats, you wear a lot of hats, yeah. sir. How about how uh, many hats? How, about how many yeah. hats do you wear? The hats are all in. They're all in the laundry room, which is right by the garage. So I grab all the hats on my way out the door. Uh, yeah, I I wear a lot of hats. So uh, my teaching schedule has slowed down. Like the courses I'm mm -hmm. individually teaching has slowed down a little bit, um, and that was intentional while we're starting up the publishing business. Right. Um, but I have got some just really awesome people with comics experience, uh, Joanne and, and Paul Aller, who also works on the publishing. But um, they're just they're awesome. Like, and they're they're doing a really good job running that and there are some things we're doing there we're actually starting to grow that business a little bit but you know day to day i don't have to put that many hours into into that one anymore because right. it, it it's become almost it's not entirely but it's become almost a self-sustaining engine in terms of keeping things moving and, and joanne and paul are great with that uh and my wife has pretty much taken over the printing business which i'm pretty sure all of my clients are grateful for because she's the the was it left brain right that's like the math and logic <laughs> yes centers. like she's yes yeah i mean the joke between us is you know i uh uh she just graduated with a degree in something useful called math i'd never heard of it 
Um, <laughs> and so she like, when I met, she's four years younger than me. And when I met her, she had just graduated from college. We met in New York city and she was already making like two and a half times what I was making as an editor at, at Marvel, you know? Uh, so, uh, but yeah, she's just, she's so organized and she's so on top of everything, which is really what you want from a printer. So like, if you want to talk about like, what kind of foil do I want or what kind of paper treatment, like I'm your guy for that. But once we get that figured out, you want to be talking with her because she's the one that knows when things are coming in. And she's, if anybody's going to solve this global shipping crisis, it's going to be her, um, uh, which has been great. And she's really great with the clients. She's, you know, super nice and, and, uh, so yeah, she's pretty much taken over the printing business. So that has, without her doing that, I never could have started CEX, but right. uh, but yeah. And then the thing that's really taken the biggest hit is my own writing. I, you know, I've got a project. I just worked out a deal with a really talented artist. Very happy to be working with her. Um, but now I got to finish this, this script that I've been working on. So see another hat there's a there it is see (laughs) you're spreading yourself too thin because you're a husband you're a father you're a publisher you're a printer now you're a writer you're an editor you got two you're a podcast guest you got he's a hustler he got to get some pitches picked up too much (laughs) shit going on i'm also on two regular podcasts the, the, the more i think about this the dumber i feel yeah, like uh, there's yeah. not much left of you to give, Andy. You're just giving and giving and giving. <laughs> when are when is anyone gonna give back to Andy Schmidt? Is the question I want to know. He just gives and gives and gives. Andy's selfless love for comics has gotten him this far. Look at look. <laughs> what have you bastards ever he's, done for him? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. He's fighting uh, every, a good fight here. You guys need to help him out. <laughs> every uh, every happy comic book fan has has given back to me. So, oh, uh, listen to that. Well, right. Look at that. I had no, and a big softy, too. I had no that. idea you were running for president of comics. Listen to that. <laughs> you have our votes, Andy. Yes, that's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. So, uh, how? So, yeah, how? I'd like to make that announcement now. <laughs> I am running for president of comics. So, how soon when you launched CEX did you start getting um, uh, pitches? Because, I mean, I imagine that happened instantly. Like as soon as like, hey, okay, we're doing this. And then people, can I pitch you? Can I pitch you? Can I pitch you? Can I pitch you? You know, uh, he's just asking because we want to pitch you. No, well, that's, <laughs> you know, that's like your opinion, man. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's so many, so many big Lebowski quotes that I cannot say on, on podcasts. Uh, I just, just don't think they would, they would, pop you up to the r rating uh you'd be um, fine we're fine you can you can swear you can, as much you as can you swear want. as much as you want to yeah all right uh all right what was the question what were we talking about <laughs> it's not a, you know what it's not even important let's just talk about the big lebowski <laughs> uh no seriously though i don't remember that question it's not a big deal um what's your <laughs> what's your what's your favorite scene in the big lebowski oh uh can you pick one like, yes, I think you can. I, 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 I can. Think, I can. Yeah. I can too. Yeah. Or, or let's hear yours. All right, Kevin, what's your favorite scene of the Big Lebowski? And when they're um, when they're spreading the ashes on the on the thing, and it, it gets all in their uh, faces, and the dude. <laughs> that's <laughs> really up. good. Because I have a really dark sense of humor. That's why. Oh, I, I why really, is everything such a disaster with you, Walter? Yeah, I, I really like when uh, <laughs> when he's getting his car out of the uh, impoundment lot. And, but you got any leads? And he's like, yeah, we got a whole team of detectives working. Got us working in shifts. 
leads. <laughs> like that's my favorite scene of the whole movie. I don't know why. Oh, that is great. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think the scene where he goes to see Mr. Lebowski for the first time. Yeah, that's good. Uh, because, <laughs> I mean, that movie is littered with phenomenal performances by phenomenal actors. Even like David Thewlis, who's only in like two scenes, is uh, like great in this yeah. movie. Um, and like, I mean, I would. Uh, why would Even, you take a role where you're only in two scenes? And he's awesome because he's awesome. But. Yeah. But I, I absolutely love Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, in in The Big Lebowski. Yeah, he's, like he's when he's just like nodding along and like reacting like yeah. weirdly to yeah. things, and he's and he's like, "This is our concern, dude." You know, like <laughs> I mean, it's like all of it. Like the way I don't know that character is great. I would not want a whole movie of him, but that character is great. The look that he gives. Uh, the dude when she talks about the the hunt but walt he's got to pay a hundred and he just goes oh lovely <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 it's, great. it's great so good yeah it's, uh, it's a wonderful movie. your question was about submissions i remembered it now yes. um so so the the answer to that question because i don't want to leave i know i know people will like listen to this and be like shit what was the answer to that question i'm dying <laughs> um so the answer to that question is one of the things that I have figured out, I kind of knew this going in, um, most comic book news sites or any news site for that matter, uh, really does not care about small publishers. Um, so anytime we put out like a press release, uh, it pretty much goes into the ether and goes nowhere. So actually getting the word out to folks that we even exist um, has been sort of sort of difficult. It's actually been easier to get the word out to retailers. Really? It's been harder to get the word out to, to, um, to fans. Yeah, and that's because uh, I've done a bunch of stuff with retailers. So a lot of them, I mean, not like most of them, but a lot of them like know who I am. Um, we've met before. And so I've, you know, I've had some ins and then they have like their own like retailer groups that they will like, you know, their retailers are friends with each other and they kind of talk about stuff. So that's been, that's been great. Um, and I did a thing at the beginning of the pandemic when all the stores were shut down, Comics Experience did a thing called Retailer Relief. Um, where we put out a bunch of digital content for sale oh, cool. and then the and then the the sales of that went to shops um and so individual shops could sell and take unique links and, and sell them on their website and then they would get the the money for that without having to sell anything out of a store it was nothing physical it was all downloadable content and so that's pretty cool a lot, yeah i mean it was it was i think it was a really solid idea um we had about 100 stores sign up for it and um, I didn't I had no idea this was happening, but at the uh, at the last Comics Pro meeting, like we they they threw our logo up and like talked about the fact that we did this and that we were a company that to you know that was nice to retailers. Uh, so that was really cool. I had no idea that was a friend of mine that was I wasn't there. A friend of mine that was there like took a photo with his with his phone and texted to me. He's like, you know about this? This is awesome. Like, no, I did not. Um, uh, yeah, so that's been, but yeah, I mean, the word is starting to spread. So I went to New York Comic Con and, you know, and started talking to creators a fair amount there. So, I, you know, the, the word is starting to spread and nice. percolate through. And yeah, we're getting, we're, we're, we are definitely now getting people inquiring with us instead of me sort of reaching out and saying, hey, let's have a conversation. You know, that's like, cool. So, yeah. Well, I'm super happy. I imagine at some I imagine at some point I'll be telling people to shut up. I don't care about your comic. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really what this whole thing is about. It's to get to the point where I can just 
I can just walk on the on the people. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I, I can't see you doing that. You're running for president, Andy. I don't know if that's oh, that's oh right. I mean, I mean, you can't be president I mean, of comics yeah. and walk on the little people. Well, this will oh, be yeah. towards the end of the second term. I believe that's the lame duck period where he's already <laughs> yeah. had two terms oh, and can okay. no longer be president. Yeah, and he's not really, duck. yeah, and he's not really worried about <laughs> votes anymore. He's just worried about getting shit done. And it'd be like, no, nah, man, your book is trash. I'm sorry. Like you're, <laughs> you should probably just stop doing this, Kevin. I mean, I mean, he's probably right, but I won't. <laughs> it's too much fun. Too much fun. I can't can't stop making comments. Well, that's um, awesome. I mean, so much so that you created yeah. your own publishing company. Yeah. That's now really I great. am, I am, I am mildly like. I mean, I'm glad we did this, but I'm like regretting doing it in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> it's harder to sell books. Yeah harder to sell books and we're i mean there's this you know the shipping crisis is no joke and i knew that from a from the printing business like i mean that's the fact you know i'm constantly mm -hmm. telling publishers and creators like yeah your books are on a boat it's out in the ocean that's all the detail <laughs> i've got um you, know, See, you so already like, sound like the president of comics <laughs> <laughs> We're going to send down all the freelancers and the fans to the port in LA and Long Beach, get this stuff unloaded. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, the pandemic is, has created a lot of pretty sincere challenges. So should we ever get out of a pandemic, then maybe this job will get easier. But right now, I would say 85% of my day is, is working on the publishing business. Um, and then the other the other stuff, like I said, I've got, you know, I was in a position to concentrate on a new business because I've got really great people working on the other on the other two. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it's just it's is what it is, I guess. But you know, if we survive this, then I imagine we'll survive just about anything. There you go. We are no, hoping knocks, knocks on wood. Well, we are we are hoping you survive this. You've got a lot of great titles on your website. You can go to cexpublishing.com. You can see everything you've got available there. It's a great site. It looks like you've got some really great books and we're, and we're really happy for you, man. Like this thing looks pretty awesome and we wish you the best, sir. We wish you the best. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. And uh, maybe next time I'm writing something, I'll come back on, you know, Word Bros and we can talk about that. That'll be awesome. You, know what, you remember, don't even Andy, have to. You, we could just come on and talk could, about the come Cohen on. brothers. Yeah, it doesn't yes, have we to could do that. anything. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, you know, I, I realized after watching the Big Bosky recently that I am, uh, I'm woefully behind on my newer Cohen brothers. Like Me three, too. Three other <laughs> movies I haven't even seen. So I, because I'm old i have a netflix like dvd queue so they still mail them to me in the really? mail you're the guy that's still I, wow. I am single-handedly uh, i'm keeping the comic book industry afloat and i'm keeping netflix afloat i don't know what they would do without me wow. i don't know they can make you president of netflix andy i don't know if that'll happen though it's like, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a one happen, it's a one but... two step process. President okay. of comics, president. Okay. Of, so you get the you still get the DVDs in the mail? That's crazy. Yeah. You're, yeah, you don't because this... you don't stream it. He does both. I know, I, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, you scared me. Yeah, there. but but the but the whole the the thing with the DVDs is I mean, and they you know most of them are Blu-rays now, but like you know I the 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 uh, the catalog is so much bigger, and I tend to like foreign movies and i like art artsy stuff and so yeah so when i want to watch deer hunter which i wanted to watch because i'd never seen it a few months ago i was like 
boom, DVD queue. And then there it is. So yeah, I just threw a bunch of uh, Coen Brothers. And I do a lot of things where it's like, I get really into like one director's work or I'll get into like a franchise. Actually, the one of the two podcasts I do, there's the Comics Experience Make Comics podcast, but the mm-hmm. franchise fan guys one uh, that I do, which is a weekly podcast, is all about film franchises. So it's really helpful to have access to. That's cool. That's awesome. What film franchises have you discussed recently on your other podcast? Uh, so we started with Terminator. Oh, uh, nice. That's a good, that's a good was, one. Yeah. Which was really fun. Yeah. And then we did, uh, Jurassic Park and okay. Mission Impossible. Um, what's uh, the one that's currently coming out is Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Um, okay. We did Hellraiser already because I love Hellraiser and I'm I do too. I I'm do the too. only person. I get, Kevin, we're going to have to fight because there can only be one of us. Like <laughs> now i mean um, did you like the the latter the latter hellraiser movies like the 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 we actually fifth and we sixth even, and all that we didn't even get into beyond four okay so we went up we went up through bloodline and then and then i was kind of like i save you guys the pain of watching the yeah because the rest of them yeah because the because the one and, with the guy from um he was in nightbreed i think in four he was in four right the guy that was the lead in nightbreed i believe boone the guy who played Boone was like somebody in oh, four yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. And that's um, the last one I saw. And after that, I was like, I don't need to watch any more Hellraiser movies. Like, no. after the, and after the seen, second one, yeah, I was like, okay. I've okay. seen, uh, I've seen, I don't think I've quite seen all of them. But the thing is, is that the fourth one was actually the last one that was scripted to be a Hellraiser film. Yes. After that, they just took other horror movies that had nothing to do with Hellraiser and then they slapped a scene with Pinhead. To keep the license, um, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's really no point to this. So, I feel completely justified in, in not discussing those. But, but I, there's just something really super cool about Hellraiser that I just, I really like. And my two, my two partners, Skid and Tom, on the podcast, um, I don't think they really agreed with me on that one. Um, we did Indiana Jones, um, and we just did Dune. So, Dune was really fun because that was the first one we did that wasn't like a series. Mm-hmm. you know where there was the, the david lynch dune we talked about the jodorowsky's dune that didn't happen but was you know it was a sort of legendary project in hollywood and then we talked about um the sci-fi channels dune the sci-fi dune channel dude i liked that one yeah i liked that one so i liked I mean, it more back in like 2002 when it came out when i rewatched oh. it recently i was a little underwhelmed by it it, did, it didn't hold up yeah it doesn't yeah. hold up that great um yeah. And then, and so we we put, so we did two episodes on those, put those out, and then we all went, it was actually, I think it was the first movie that we all, all three of us saw in the theater since the pandemic hit, we all went to see the new Dune, and then we did like a, you know, our first like special, you know, reporting live. You know, sort of, <laughs> What's your take on the new Dune? Because I've been trying to convince Bobby to watch it, but he won't. He, he says he can't get that time back in his life, but he won't watch it. Uh, I really, really like it. I mean, I, I that's agree. probably my favorite director you know working today right now i mean yep. every movie he has made from enemy to sicario to arrival to to uh prisoners i mean they're all super good um but if you don't kind of i would say like if you don't know the story of dune and like it or like or if you know you don't really care for for dune then i don't know that this movie is going to win you over you'll like you'll like things in it because lots of parts of it are super cool but, you know, I think there are some people, like, I, I'm kind of amongst them, like, Dune should be, like, 100%, like, my favorite book ever. But it's not. I like it. 
but I don't, I never fell in love with it. Both my older brothers like fell in love with this book. My, my dad, who doesn't even like science fiction or adventure, he loves the book. And I just couldn't quite get into it. And but I it's thought a, this I thought this movie was great. It's a tough read. It is a tough read. It's Dude weird is a tough, tough read. Like it Dude is hard. Reminds me of a magica that Barker wrote. And, um, and nobody likes a magica but me. So it's like really weird because because like when you when you look at Barker books, like I, I would read all the short stories. I like I like like all of his short stories, but then I read a magica. And a magica is such a weird, tough read that like that's what i gather dune is for like sci like really hardcore sci-fi fans yeah. right i mean i i yeah i i compared a lot to lord of the rings because yeah, like, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's this deep deep world building with all these different you know races that, with these deep histories and there's there's even like complete languages i mean it, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities with lord of the rings um although i i think i you know may even well, anyway, we'll get into that another time. But, but, uh, but I kind of feel the same way about Lord of the Rings. Like, I really like that story, but I actually prefer watching the movies because I don't have to spend eight pages, you know, dissecting the nomenclature and who begat who, you know, for, for all this stuff. Now, my friend Skid, who's on the podcast, like, biggest Lord of the Rings fan I've ever known, like, he'll happily talk about that stuff for days. Like, he tells me elven words for things when we're in casual conversation. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll just like as a quiz them. They're like, how do you say tree in Elvish? And you're like, yeah, Lindar. You're like, oh. <laughs> and he's right. He's always right. Uh, he probably knows Klingon also. That's um, cool. I'm down with that. But uh, but yeah, but I think but I think the reason that I struggle with those, and here's here's stuff that I shouldn't make public, uh, is that I have I have reading learning disabilities. And so reading really long dense text is that is it, it it very quickly becomes a a, a chore so um and that may that might actually be i i think and this is a guess but i think that's part of why i loved comics at an early age so much i love reading i love story i love cool characters but with my learning disabilities it was such a struggle to read prose that I think having the the images, so I wasn't having to read descriptive text and I could get into the stories that much more easily. Uh, I think that was probably a, a pretty significant inroad into my love of comics. Now, I've, uh, later in life, I really got into reading and I really enjoy novels now. You just slide an evidence in there to support why you should be president of comics. Yeah. I like it, Andy, I that's, like it. That's really interesting. <laughs> it's weird too, because as a, as a kid, I didn't enjoy reading as much as I do now, but there are times where I, I, I realized as an adult that I didn't enjoy reading as a kid because it was for school. Like I never read for pleasure. I never learned how to read for pleasure as a kid because it was all like, I had to read Wuthering Heights in seventh grade and I fucking hated every second of it because I was in seventh grade and Wuthering Heights is awful. But it's just, I never learned how to do it because I was like, what's going to be on the quiz? I got to know what's going to be on the quiz. I'm right. going to get tested on this. So it took me a lot longer in life to realize that I can read because I want to. I read. Yeah, I think, I think for me, I read uh, Ralph Ellison's The Invisible Man for school. Which oh, that's cool. 150 pages. Uh, it's a, a great book, but I hated it because yeah. uh, it was super <laughs> long and I was reading it for school. And, uh, you know, and when I got back from that summer break, all of my friends just read H.G. Wells's Invisible Man, uh, which is like 80 pages and awesome. And, uh, <laughs> And it made me hate reading that, that experience. I hate reading completely. I think the first, 
the first novel I read completely on my own because my mother read it and both my older brothers read it and they all loved it and loved a bunch of his books was I read David Morrell's The Brotherhood of the Rose. That was the first novel, which I was in high school. I think it was a junior in high school that I read all the way through, not assigned. I just read it and I really enjoyed it. And Morrell wrote First Blood, which is where Rambo comes from. Um, and I read a bunch of his books. And one of the things that I've realized about the authors that I gravitate towards, Morrell being one of them, but also um, C.S. Lewis and Isaac Asimov, who's, who's probably my favorite writer at this point, um, is that they all have prose styles that are not quite conversational, but they, they're, they're just very inviting to be read. Yeah. They can be challenging without being annoying, right? Um, the stories are challenging, but if they're using cool big words, like you, you can usually figure them out in the context pretty, pretty easily. And um, it just they just feel like they want to be read. Um, and so I, I gravitate towards authors like that. Um, yeah. Look how much ground we covered today. This is yeah. look at that. Talking about pros. I love you not, guys. Oh, you're just saying you're just <laughs> saying oh. that. You just well, we just talk about weird stuff on our podcast. That's well, all. Andy, I, I, again, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you for uh, coming on short notice, and uh, we were able to get this done. Uh, you can go yeah. to cexpublishing.com to learn all about the books you guys got coming out and, and all kinds of other hot details and stuff. And uh, we wish you luck. Now, if we, uh, if we're listening to this, let's say I, I, I want to make comics and I have a book and I'm thinking about printing, what, what's your printing website? So we could go there and maybe get a uh, quote. That is onsprinting.com O-N-S. or, or, or on sprinting. Um, and it, ONS is just one of my son's initials. Um, but don't tell him that. Back I, pr I promise. Yeah. <laughs> ONS uh, printing uh, and uh, yeah, on Twitter, the publishing company CEX is CEX Publishing at CEX Publishing, and um, I'm on Twitter. Just my personal account is uh, 39A Andy, so it's two A's after the 39. So it's 39A A N D Y. Um, and comics experience is comic experience because you know you couldn't have. We didn't have enough letters to put the S to make the comics plural. <laughs> at comic experience. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, you can get a quote uh, at the printing. Um, you just email us. It's info at onsprinting.com. We'll, we'll quote it out for you. There you go. Hardest working um, man in comics, Andy Schmidt. And, and, you gotta love and it. And remember, Andy says, ask not what comics can do for you, but what you can do for comics. <laughs> We have to come up with new slogans next time I'm on here. Exactly. Uh, we, we, we can do that. Andy, in fact, so. I would like you to, next time I'm on, to refer to me as president-elect of comics. Uh, okay. President-elect well, of comics, Andy Schmidt. Because no, no one else is going to run against me. There will be no primary run. <laughs> there will be no general election. Nobody else I'm wants that sure job. They'll just, they'll just give it to me. No one else <laughs> They'll be relieved you took it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And uh, we'll talk again real soon. Sounds good, dude. Thanks, Andy. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Andy Schmidt, uh, the president and publisher of CEX Publishing and the founder of ONS Printing. 
and writer, editor, extraordinaire, overall awesome dude. He forgot president-elect of comics. President-elect of comics. So, I mean, yes. I just thought it just goes without saying at this point. I mean, I, I mean, we have to say it because like that'd be like saying Bob and Kevin didn't win a Ringo Award and then we'd be upset by that. You know, you I know? think we haven't said it enough. Um, no, I'm, we need to see it a few more times because like it still hasn't. It's still surreal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm it going is. to I'm going to dinner with Chaz Pangburn, our editor and friend. Do you mean he's not a computer? No, he's. He, I'm going to meet him in real life. Apparently, I, I on, doubt it. On he's, Thursday. He, is you're gonna meet you're gonna meet like a replica of Chaz. It's well the cool like part is I'm gonna go to the restaurant either way because we're going to one of my favorite places in Cincinnati. Uh I, I took Eric Palicki there. It's called uh Kung Pao Eurasia, like China food. It's real good. Um so we're going there. So if you don't sh- if he doesn't show, at least I'll still get to eat good Chinese you get, food. Yeah, you'll get yummy Chinese food. So but it I'm doesn't gonna, matter. But I'm bringing the Ringo with me so he can see it. Oh, okay. So he might show then, but it's yeah. still not going to be like really him. It's going to be like a, a body like double, a, like a clone or something. Yeah, yeah like it's going to be a doom. Not, it's going to be a doom bot. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure like Chaz is actually the corgi in the pictures. Like yeah. he's like just a hyper intelligent lab experimented on corgi, and like the human is just like this like drone that goes out and does stuff for the dog. So I mean, I'm the dog is actually Chaz. That's my thought. Anything is That's my theory. That's my theory. Anything is possible. But you know what? I'll let you know next time we record on Word Bros. Bye. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.